Hello, and welcome to the Adventures in Arting podcast, where we analyze, explore, and celebrate the creative journey. My name is Julie Baytham Balzer, and I am a working artist living outside of Boston. I've been hosting this podcast with my super special co-host and my mom, Eileen Shoe Balzer, since 2012. Hi, mom. Hello, Julie. So a couple things I want to mention. There are two upcoming in-person classes. Um, Gorgeous Prints, Stamp That Pattern. It's a stamp carving class. Um, March 8th through 10th, 2024. Uh, Art Alchemy, Exploring Golden Brand Paints and Mediums is June 21st through 23rd, 2024. Breakfast, lunch, and all art supplies are included. And this is is the little blurb that I wrote. Uh, uh, Nestled just west of the hustle and bustle of Boston, my cozy home studio promises is a personalized art learning experience like no other. With small class sizes, individualized attention to each student is a guarantee. Meet new art friends, spend a long weekend being pampered, and expand your creative boundaries at one of my in-person art classes. Limited spots available, and you can sign up for those classes now at juliebalzer.com. And I designed the classes, and what participants have always told me is it does feel like you're really being pampered. Steve and my mom spend all weekend like cooking and cleaning and making sure that all the meals are nice. Uh, my son always wants to meet all the ladies, as he calls them. Although, of course, gentlemen are welcome, but it does tend to be ladies. Um, and it's it's just a really nice environment to make art, and you really just have to pack your clothes you know, uh, grab a hotel room or an Airbnb and then come on over. And obviously if you stay at a place near us in the town that we are, and there are a couple hotels, then we're also happy to, you know, give you a ride to and from the hotel if you need it. So, uh, if you're interested in checking those out, you can find them all at juliewalzer.com. Today's episode is confusing to mom, which I'm kind of excited about because as I said to her before the podcast, I'm not going to explain it to you now. I'm going to explain it to you during the podcast because if you're confused, then probably other people are. So before I even tell you what this podcast is about, I just want to say that when I started blogging in 2006, one of the first things that I did is I remember saying, I have to write this blog post as if it's for my mother. And what I meant by that is my mom is a very intelligent, very well-read, you know, very wonderful person, but she doesn't necessarily know the ins and outs of what I'm talking about because I'm interested in a very specialized field, right? And at the time it was scrapbooking and stamp carving and all sorts of stuff like that. But, and you know, and now it's much more sort of like fine art painting and some more other kinds of printmaking techniques but this the idea is still the same, which is I always think to myself, I need to say this in a way that my mom can understand, meaning an intelligent person who just doesn't know a lot about whatever this industry is. Uh, so today's uh, episode is 139, which is called Articulating Your Personal Creative Why. And the idea here is that through articulating your personal creative why, you can be more productive, more authentic, and more directed in your art practice. And the idea for this podcast came actually from an email I received. So probably like you, there are a couple people who I'm on their mailing list, and it changes from time to time, right? I get interested in an artist. I think they have some good ideas. I subscribe to their mailing list until I don't feel like subscribing anymore. And I honestly can't remember where this came from. Uh, If it sounds familiar, let me know because I'd love to give the artist a shout out. But uh, the email basically said, review your personal creative why. Take some time to reflect and journal on why you create art and why you are committed to your creative journey. Display your why so you can see it every day. And I think I've held on to that text 
for like maybe a year. Cause I think it was like a last January, like January, 2023, sort of like starting the year kind of email. And the truth of the matter is I have never really thought about why I make art. I mean, I make art because it's a compulsion. I make art. It's kind of like, why do you breathe? Why do you walk down the street? Why do you eat? And it's like, I just, I don't know. I, I have to, I do these things. So I started to dig into it. I had an enormous amount of trouble and I found that very frustrating and it made me angry because I hate when I can't solve a problem. And so it also sent me on this long journey, which I think is what your question is going to be about mom, which is why does it even matter? Like, why do you have to know what your why is? That's a lot of whys in a sentence. And I, I think it's because it makes everything easier, which is to say, here is an example. Um, and this is an example that I heard on, uh, I think it was the Make Me Smarter podcast, which is a marketplace, it's a financial podcast on NPR that I'm interested in. Uh, but anyway, so I listened to that podcast a lot and they were talking about New Year's resolutions. I think it was that. I may be crediting the wrong podcast. If so, I apologize. I'm full of terrible non-credited references today. Let's just get that clear. Uh, but so the basic gist is they were talking about resolutions and this woman said she wanted to ride her bicycle more. And so that's a resolution, right? I want to ride my bicycle more. But uh, the guy who's the host said, well, why do you want to ride your bicycle more? And the answer is because when I ride my bicycle, it's that my husband and I go out for bike rides. When I ride my bicycle, I sleep better. I feel better about myself. I, you know what I mean? I'm in a good mood. So it's not, the resolution is not that you want to ride your bike. It's really, it's that you want to spend more time with your partner. You want to feel good about yourself. You want to sleep well. Like those are the actual things. So if you can find like the real why behind why you're doing an activity, I think you can really figure out whether or not an opportunity is for you, whether something is right for you. So for instance, if this woman, if somebody said like, hey, you know, do you want to train, do you want to ride your bike to work? Her answer might be yes, because maybe she would feel good about herself, but it would be missing the factor of that she goes on bike rides with her husband. You know, so maybe a commuting bike ride is not what she wants to do. So it'll be easy to understand that she didn't want to do that. Or if a friend said, do you want to train for this 100-mile bike ride? Again, maybe she would, but maybe she'd be like, you know, for me, bike riding is more of like a laid-back, relaxing activity, not like a super exercise activity, you know? And you could, so if you can figure out your why, I think you can decide whether there are opportunities that are right for you, classes that are right for you, whether there are... Um, you know, even like things, contests you might want to enter, exhibits, get like all that kind of stuff, like finding out what's right for you, what projects you might want to work on. So does that help mom understand? Yes. And no work? to the hundred mile bike ride right <laughs> off the top of my head. I agree. I could not sit on a bike seat for that long. Uh, so the, I'm going to teach you basically the way that I broke it down for myself when I was angry and frustrated and how I figured it out. At the end of the day, I think it's a Venn diagram. So I will have this Venn diagram available to you on the show page. For those of you who are watching on YouTube, I'm going to share the Venn diagram with you right now. Um, but I will describe it for everybody who's listening. So the basics of it are, it's three circles, right? That's what a Venn diagram is. The three circles are motivation, values, 
and aspirations. And your creative why is located where those three circles overlap. Okay, so it's where motivation, values, and aspirations overlap. So the first thing I thought we could do is that we could talk a little bit about terms, like what's motivation, what's values, what's aspiration, and sort of some questions you can ask yourself to get those things out, to get to your why. And at the end of the podcast, I'm going to tell you my huge epiphany, which has actually blown up my brain a little and has actually changed some of the way that I'm making art and thinking about my art. So. I'm excited. If you stay tuned to the end, you'll hear all about that. Okay, so first, uh, let's define terms. So values. I think values get a bad rap sometimes, partially because I think I see them sometimes as being, at least they get a bad rap for me. I sometimes have like a like a like conservative values kind of connotation there that feels kind of um of strictures, but really what values are is they're just the guiding principles that influence the overall direction of your life. Um, sometimes values are instilled as you as a kid. Sometimes values are something that you develop yourself through your experience with the world or things that have happened to you. Um, but you know, your values are like a code that help you make choices um, that are aligned with what you believe so that like what you do and what you say is in alignment with who you are, right? And the idea is that values are typically sort of long-term and enduring. They provide a stable foundation for decision-making over the course of your whole life. They're uh, internal, they're intrinsic to who you are, they reflect your beliefs, they're not dependent on external factors. So like if one of your values is that you value spontaneity, you're going to be a person who maybe responds to somebody saying, hey, should we go and check that out? You're going to say yes, you know, and it doesn't matter if it's raining and it doesn't matter if you've got somewhere to go because you're, you're one of your values is spontaneity. You know what I mean? And so you're, you're absolutely all the way there. I still remember I went on a date many, many years ago and it was Christmas Eve and I could hear the singing from a church. That was across the street from the restaurant where we had eaten. And I said, oh, let's go in and see the singers. Um, and he was absolutely like a hard no, wouldn't even like go near it. And I was thinking if there's a time that you can go into a random church, it's certainly Christmas Eve when people are singing and nobody's going to bat, you know, an eye at you at all. And who wouldn't want to hear, you know, and see a choir? It's just anyway. And I'm Jewish, by the way. So I was happy to hear Christmas music on Christmas Eve. Uh, but anyway, so he was his, one of his values was not spontaneity. So then what is motivation? So if values, right, are things that influence the overall direction of your life, motivation is really the driving force behind specific actions or behaviors, right? So it's like big values, little motivation. So it represents like the immediate source of energy or desire that prompts someone to pursue a goal. You're hungry, so you're going to eat, right? It's probably not a value that you eat food. I mean, maybe it is. I don't know. It could be. Uh, but motivation can be short-term and situation-specific. It can fluctuate based on changing circumstances or the pursuit of an immediate objective. And motivation can be internal, but it can also be external, like in response to a reward, an expectation, a punishment, a pressure, right? So you might be very motivated by, like, there's a deadline. But that's not probably a value of yours. Deadlines are probably not a value. That's your, but you're motivated to beat the deadline. Maybe because a value of yours is getting stuff done. You know, so motivations and values can't overlap and work together. 
what are aspirations? I'm so glad that you asked. So aspirations involve specific and often, I would say, ambitious goals that you want to achieve in the future. They provide a sense of direction and purpose. They give you something to strive for. They inspire effort, perseverance, right? You aspire to something greater, to something bigger. It's the dream that you're chasing. It's not like uh, your to-do list. Aspire is like a bigger thought than that. And, you know, aspirations can evolve over time. They're flexible. You can reassess what they are. But, you know, like I think, you know, who didn't, my, my son wants to be a garbage man very badly. That's his aspiration. And he also wants to be a tiger. I think it's more likely that he's going to become a garbage man than a tiger, but who knows? It could change. Uh, so in short, the guiding principle is a value. The driving force is your motivation and your desires for the future are your aspirations. Mom, how do you feel about my vocabulary lesson? Well, I'll accept it, but I think what would be helpful, since you did mention that you thought the uh, motivation circle should be smaller, is if the three circles were not the same size, because that would convey more what you're saying. And in fact, on that basis, uh, either the aspirations or the values would be the biggest circle. Uh, because you're saying they don't all have equal weight. They don't all last the same amount of time. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I think it's a useful way to think about a lot of things. You know, why am I cooking this for dinner? Well, because I have leftover that in the refrigerator that I want to use up, right? right? So the value would be I don't like letting food go to waste and I want to clear out the fridge and the... Uh, the well, I would also say like that could also be motivation, could, right? Because the value could be I take care of my family. I'm a caretaker. That's a value of mine is to be a caretaker. My motivation is that I need to make dinner, and this was what is in the fridge. And the aspiration you know? is that it, it will empty out a space in the refrigerator, and everyone will love it, and I'll make I'll have made something new. Right. You will be the next Julia Child. If she's using my leftovers, right? If she's using your leftovers, yes. So uh, here I came up with five questions to help you identify your values, five to identify your motivations, and five to identify your aspirations. I lit I'm holding up my notebook right now just to show everybody, but I literally, this is what I did. I went through, I answered these questions, I wrote them down. So if you're listening, I encourage you to grab a pen or a pencil and just write some thoughts down or just write down the questions so you can think about it. So your core values, if you don't sort of know them offhand, here are some things to think about. So like what brings you the most fulfillment and joy, right? What's something that makes you happy? What aspects of your life bring you a deep sense of fulfillment and joy? Um, Well-being, satisfaction. And you know, one of the things that I discovered when I was answering this question for myself that actually surprised me a little bit was I was like, oh, almost all the things that bring me the most amount of joy in my life are have to do with pe other people. Like I actually am very social and like, you know, my child brings me joy. My husband brings me joy. My mom brings me joy. My family brings me joy. My family brings me joy. Like there are so many, there were so many things about it that were being with people, which is funny because I think of myself as a person who's very much an introvert and I just want to be by myself. But apparently that's not apparently true. Not. 
Yeah. Right. Um, so the second question is, when do you feel most authentic and true to yourself? So these are the moments in your life when you feel genuine, authentic. You're I'm trying to think of the situations, the relationships, the activities that align with your true nature. You know, do you feel the most like yourself when you're walking in the woods? Do you feel the most like yourself when you're haggling and bargaining with somebody? Do you feel the most like yourself when you're, you know, lying in bed. I don't know. But like, what are the situations in which you feel you're authentically true to who you are? Not what the world sees you as, not what other people in your life want you to be, but like, when are you feeling true to yourself? What are some things about that? Number three, what principles guide your decision-making? So right now, you know, you may know and you may not know. If somebody comes to you and says, I have this great opportunity, I'm a prince from Nigeria. If you give me $10,000, I will then wire $2 million to your bank account. I know uh, that guy. So, <laughs> I know that guy too. He emails me all the time. Uh, so the question is again, like, if something comes up, like, how do you make choices? Do you have any philosophical ideas? You know, you may be religious, you may not be, you may be a person who has gone to therapy. And so you actually have like really thought about some of these things. Um, I know that having a child definitely forced me to have to sort of codify things I just sort of thought into like, well, these are the rules of our house. And these are the things that are important to me to instill in my son, you know, like, I try very, very hard to only say no when I really have to. Because for me, that's a value of, uh, you know, being a person of him, becoming a person who feels that the world is open to him, that he can do things, that he has agency, that he can try things and to not raise him in like a very authoritarian environment. And it's always a hard thing, right? Because I just want him to do what I want him to do, right? But at the same time, I don't want him to become a person who feels that he always has to listen to an authority figure or follow what somebody says. And so that's a value I'm trying to sort of navigate in my life right now. So do you have principles that guide your decision making? Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to tell you that yeah. just before we started this podcast, I got an email and it said I had been chosen, how lucky I am, to receive free power tools. Oh. <laughs> and because I have the value of never clicking on anything that offers me <laughs> something free, seriously, because it's not worth the hassle, even if right. it were real. I just put it in my spam folder and it just makes life easier because I just follow that principle. Well, I would say like you actually really have a value and you say this all the time, which is free things aren't free. Right. If I were to think of like a big value, it would just be like free things aren't free. Just remember that free things aren't free. So unless um, it was you offering me free power tools, I lost out. Right. Maybe. Maybe. But I do remember when I was in, I think, sixth grade, my sixth grade teacher, Mr. Norris, had us, he said, bring in an advertisement for something that's free. And we all brought an advertisement for something that's free. And he showed us how every single thing that said free in the ad was not actually free. But I still remember, I don't even remember what it was for, but there was one kid who brought something in and he said, I, he said, I think this might really be free, but I, I'm, he said, I'm, I'm trying to figure it out. It might actually really be free. 
Uh, and he was shocked. And I think that that's such a, it was such a good lesson for me in the idea of like what's free and what's not. Okay. We've gone totally off track though. Uh, so no, question number four is what do you prioritize in your relationships? What's the most important thing to you in your relationships? Um, and that's relationships with other people, the people you admire, the characteristics that draw you to them, you know, and this really provides insights into sort of your interpersonal values. Like, are you somebody who really wants somebody who's loyal or empathetic, or do you want somebody who inspires you or someone who's exciting? Like, you know, for all your friendships. And, and this was another one that surprised me. Okay. What's because your... I discovered that what I value and prioritize in my relationships is independence. Meaning? Meaning I cannot take it. And I've had some friends like this and I've had friend breakups over it. I need to be able to not talk to you for three months and then pick up with you when I see you and it's fine. You know what I mean? I need you to be able to like, I need to go to a party with you and we don't have to stay standing hip to hip the whole time. We can each talk to different people and then come together and have a conversation afterwards. I need to know that like, I don't have to go with you to the bathroom every time you need to go to the bathroom. I need okay. to know that, you know, it doesn't mean that I don't believe in girl code or I'm not supportive of you or I'm not happy to hear from you, but just there's a certain amount of, I know that what I value in relationships, both with men and with women is a certain amount of just independence. I was just thinking of the answer for me and it's mutuality. In other mm -hmm. words, I want to, for me in a friendship, it has to be something that goes both ways. Sometimes I'm the flower and that person is the gardener. Sometimes I'm the gardener and that person is the flower. You know, it it can't be that we have these frozen roles where we just stay in them all the time. Yeah. And I think like that's important to think about. Like one of the things that you value then is mutuality. And that's absolutely important to know because it can help you make decisions about what people stay in your, you know, in your life and which people go. It can help you make decisions about which even business relationships still work for you. It can help you make decisions about, you know, jobs that you want. Like if that's something that's important to you, then you're going to want to find that kind of relationship everywhere. Just like I know I could never do a job where I was being micromanaged because I need independence. I want independence from other people and I want it to do myself. The same deal as if I'm a supervisor or I have in the past occasionally had people work for me and I don't want to have to be on top of that person. I want that person to work independently. I give them the task, they make it happen, you know? And that's just, we want what we want. And so the, always the issue is to find the right fit and not try to make somebody who doesn't let you have that same value fit, right? I just had a... I just had a teeny insight. Yeah. Which was sometimes, you know, people say to us, you're a mother and a daughter, but you get along really well, which for me is hard to do with my mother or whatever, my mm -hmm. daughter. And I think part of it is because we do have, we have developed this mutuality where sometimes you're the grown up, sometimes I'm the grown up. We help each other out in different ways. Uh, and there, se there seems to be a, an equality over time in how we provide for each other. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like, that's the thing to always remember, which is you, I I'm trying to think how to put this. 
the relationships that you like the most, like if you like a very, very close relationship and your parent doesn't like that kind of very, very close relationship or vice versa, like it's not a good fit. You know, I'll never forget one of my brother's ex-girlfriends telling him, I'm, I'm a really good catch and him saying to her, but we're not a good match. And that's something that I've always remembered just because I think that's so true, which is it doesn't matter how right you are. It doesn't matter how, how much you believe it. Like it has to be a match. And that's why sometimes with marriage, they say having the same values is more important than even having the same interests. Because then when things come up, you attack them, you know what I mean, in the same way. You go forward in the same way. You're ready to raise children the same way. You have money values in the same way. You have, you know what I mean, savings value, whatever it is. And so I think, again, when you know your own values, then you have a lot of power because you can immediately decide whether a relationship, a job, an opportunity is a fit for you. So let's say like, if you were going to be offered uh, a show at a gallery mom and one of the, your values is mutuality, you would need to feel that the gallery was doing their job and you were doing your job and everybody was working together, right? Yes, that we were both getting what we needed from that relationship. Can't right. be all one-sided. Right. And if I were, you know, giving somebody a show at a gallery... I were like, come to my studio and hang your show. Uh, and I, what I would want is for them to be independent, to show up, to deal with it, to do it. Do you know what I mean? To not need me at every moment for every decision. How about this? How about there? Should I turn it here? What about this? I just feel like just do it, you know? And I think, again, I know that about myself. And so I, I have most of my, I would say, I don't have a single friend now who I couldn't be like, hey, like a friend invited me today to her Chinese New Year's party. She has not met my son, who is four years old. I have not met her daughter, who is two years old, because there was a pandemic. Oh, she, you know, we didn't get to go to her wedding because of a blah, blah, blah. And we were both just like, oh, I'm so excited to see you and meet your, you know, child. And that was fine. And nobody's like grumpy about not having been on top of each other the whole time. You know? Yeah, you didn't call me. Exactly. You didn't call me every day. I had a conversation last night with an old friend who is mad at another old friend because she hasn't called her. And I just thought, this is too much for me. Right. And on the other hand, I have to say, if you're the kind of person who wants people to call you every day, then meet up with other people who want to call every day. Like, it's the same as they say, if you're a heavy drinker, get in a relationship with another heavy drinker, then you're fine. It's when you're a sober person in a relationship with a heavy drinker that things don't go well you know? Okay. So, uh, the last thing about values. Now question number five is what issues or causes am I passionate about? So these could be social, environmental, ethical issues that resonate with you. Consider the, whatever causes you feel passionate about and the values that underlie your commitment to those causes. And this can help uncover all sorts of values related to whatever, justice, compassion, responsibility, personal responsibility, whatever you think it is. Like, mom, you do a ton of community work. You're on a lot of boards. I know that like homelessness is a huge part of something, you know, that's important to you. I know, you know, you've been on the board of the Boys and Girls Club for like 20 something years. You do, I mean, and you do tons of community work, all sorts of stuff. And so like, 
obviously a value for you is taking care of other people or taking, you know, rooting yourself in the community. You're always trying to push me to do things in the community. And I think like you could, everybody can think about what is a value that you have. It doesn't have to be a great political statement, though it could be. You know, do you have an environmental issue you believe in? Do you have a, you know, charity that you contribute to? Do you, are you, you know, a cancer survivor? Do you believe that like art is for everyone? It could be anything, but what are you passionate about? What kind of issue or cause are you passionate about? So once you've answered these five questions, this is the hardest part. You need to look at what you've written. And you need to look for basically common themes or patterns that consistently emerge. You know, can you take 30 words that you've written and drill them down into a few and then compare those words? It's kind of like playing Boggle to see if you can actually find a couple ideas that stand out to you about what your values might be. And it doesn't have to be like a 100% complete picture, but can you get the basics of it down? Okay. So now we're going to do the same thing with motivation, different questions. Remembering that motivation involves understanding the driving forces that push you to take action and pursue specific goals. So in some ways, you could say values are passive. They're things that are absolutely true to you. So if somebody walks up to you on the street and says, hey, want to go steal that car? If you have a value, which is I don't steal cars or I don't break the law, then you're easily going to say no. Whereas if you're a person who's like, oh, I like living on the dangerous side let's do it, right? Whereas motivation is you being the one who decides to steal the car, okay? So here are five questions. Nobody should steal a car, by the way. I'm just saying that out loud. Don't steal cars. Um, here are five questions to help you explore and clarify your motivation. So question number one, what activities or goals make you feel energized and excited? And you'll notice that every time I'm asking these questions, I'm starting with the positive. What do you love? What do you love doing? You know, what what makes you just like when you feel like a surge of energy or, or passion, you know, that kind of stuff that you can really figure out what motivates you. Um, and I would even say like one of the things I wrote on my list of activities that makes you feel energized is I said deadlines. I also said limit, limitations. And I found that a lot of the things that motivate me for better or for worse are basically being chased by a bear. I am not very motivated by a carrot. I am very motivated by something chasing me and having to like, you know what I mean, hit that deadline. And that's, again, I don't think the answer to any of these questions is right or wrong or good or bad. It's all about knowing yourself. Okay. Number two, what long-term aspirations or achievements do you want to pursue? Now, this is actually previewing aspirations, but the, as you can tell from, you know, the Venn diagram idea, aspirations overlaps with motivation in some places. Part of what motivates you is what you want in the future. You know, the achievements you envision for yourself. You're going to be a Supreme Court justice. You're going to be, you know, inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. I think it's late for me to have the basketball dream and probably the Supreme Court justice dream. Uh, but, you know, understanding whatever your sort of big objectives are can help identify the motivations that propel you forward. Like, do you want to be a best-selling author? Is that an aspiration? Or do you just want to be a published author? Because those are two very different ideas and two very different motivations as well. Uh, three, what values or principles align with the goals you're pursuing? So now we're back to, again, things overlap. 
now you know your values. So think about where do your values and your goals overlap? So, you know, maybe you have, like, I have a good friend who really does tithe to charities and she donates a huge amount of money to various, you know, artists she knows, all sorts of stuff every year. And it's so amazing. And I think that that's where an action that she's doing aligns with a value that she has, right? So she's motivated to give this money to artists to support them because she believes that she should do good with the money that she has, right? Um, and remembering that uh, motivation often stems from like a sense of purpose and alignment with your values. Like that's a very important thing to think about, which is Yes, motivation can be external. Yes, motivation can be situational, but it's often because you want to be a certain kind of person, right? Or you are a certain kind of person. Um, so four, in what situations do I find myself most focused and driven? And this is a good time to think about specific circumstances or environments in which you experience heightened focus or determination. Um, and understanding the conditions that enhance your motivation can help you create an environment conducive to achieving your goals. So perhaps you are incredibly focused in the car. You are a race car driver. You have laser focus when you're behind the wheel and you are there, right? So you can figure out like, why do I have so much focus in the car? Why am I so interested in that? And maybe it's because you like speed. Maybe it's because you are interested in mapping. Maybe it's because you are afraid you know, fear can be a motivator about what's going to happen. I mean, fear is certainly a motivator for me when I'm like, oh, I'm never going to meet this deadline. Um, so you can just think about that. Like, what are those situations where you're focused and you're driven? Um, and finally, five, what obstacles or challenges are you willing to overcome to reach your goals? Mm. So I was just listening to the Smartless podcast, which is hosted by several actors, and they were interviewing Adam Driver, who is obviously another actor. And one of the things Adam Driver was talking about was sleeping in his car. And then another one of the actors, Sean Hayes, on the panel was like, oh, yeah, I remember when I first came to L.A., I slept in my car. And then I was thinking about how many actors I've heard who've told a similar story, which is they wanted to be actors so badly that they slept in their car. They were homeless for some period of time. They took terrible jobs in order to like eat, you know, they, um, I remember there was a kid, so I have a degree in theater and there was a kid who had graduated and he came back to talk to us about his exciting life now working in the theater now that he had graduated. And he told us like the way that it works for him, he has an extra to, to make sure he had an extra $3 a day. Cause the subway at that time was a dollar 50. He rode his bike like 10 miles each way or whatever, because it saved him the subway fare and he could buy a box of mac and cheese or something for that $3. And that was, so that was what he was willing to do to get his dream, right? So what obstacles or challenges are you willing to overcome to reach your goals? And I know for me, one thing is I am willing to, uh, give an obstacle is time. Nobody has time. Nobody has enough time. So I'm willing to forego sleep. I'm willing to forego social events. I'm willing to forego time with my family. I'm willing to forego all sorts of stuff in order to get that time. That's not every, true for everybody. So you have to think about what are you willing to overcome to reach your goals? It could be that you don't know how to draw. 
some people are willing to practice drawing. Some people are not. If you're a person who's willing, write that down. If you're a person who's not, keep moving until you find something that you are willing to overcome. And I go back to how many sort of naive artists, meaning artists without any training, have overcome lack of education, lack of proper art supplies, lack of anything because they just wanted to create. What are you willing to do? Um, and then remembering, of course, your motivation is likely to be multifaceted. It's influenced, of course, by values and long-term aspirations. That's why we're looking for the center of that Venn diagram. Um, so think about it. Do the same thing with these five questions. Look at what you've written and then synthesize it into a couple ideas of what you think you're generally motivated by. Finally, aspirations. So establishing your aspirations involves envisioning what you want to achieve, and it also involves being a little bit honest with yourself. Uh-oh. I know. It's so scary. All of this really involves being honest with yourself. Like, I, I find this sometimes with some of my coaching clients when I'm like, well, why do you want to do this? Why do you want to do that? What's your goal? Is that your real goal? And I, like, figure out after half an hour of talking to them that the truth is you know, they want to make a ton of money or they want to uh, sort of be, you know, social media famous or they want to whatever it is. And But it is hard to say that sometimes. It's hard to say, I want my art to be at the Guggenheim Museum. I want, you know, Jerry Saltz to call me a genius. I want whatever it is that you want. There's nothing wrong with wanting things and not achieving them. I think it's a bigger sin to go your whole life without letting anybody know the truth of what it is that you really want. You know, what do you really want for yourself? What do you really want? I will say that there are some dreams that are more realistic than others, but if you can figure out what it is that you want, you can probably figure out a path to at least start getting there, you know, and maybe find something even better along the way. That's what I was going to say. You have to be open to serendipitous discovery. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always say, Steve was nothing that I was looking for and everything that I needed. So it was a, it was a good thing. Okay, so here are the five questions to help you figure out your aspirations. So one, what artistic legacy do I hope to leave behind? Seriously, do so. I remember when I was a scrapbooker and I was like, I just don't want all of this to end up in a landfill. I want somebody to care enough to actually want to keep these scrapbooks, right? And then at some point, I was like making so much stuff that I was so many scrapbook pages that I was like, eh, I'm really just doing it for me, self care. I don't <laughs> need anything, you know? And now I think I've reached the point with the kind of art I make now where I don't think I need to change the art world, you know, be a revolutionary voice in art. Like that's not an aspiration for me, but I do hope that by the time I die at the ripe old age of 195, that, uh, you know, somebody will say, oh yeah, Julie Faye Van Balzer, she was a, you know, great artist. I really love her work. You know, she still has, you know, some value among collectors. They value her work for its, you know, bold color and interesting use of line and shape or whatever it is. Like, I, I just, I wish that I would, I wish that I, I hope that I will die 
uh, beloved by my family, but my artistic legacy would be that I would have a part in the conversation about art. Okay. Okay. Uh, so two, what specific achievements or milestones do I want to reach in my artistic career? So these are concrete goals and milestones that you aspire to achieve. This could include exhibitions, awards, collaborations, or other significant accomplishments that align with your vision for artistic success. I want to collaborate with the house of Gucci on a collection modeled by the Kardashians or whatever it is that you want. You know what I mean? Go after it. Three, how do I want to evolve and grow as an artist? And this is really about reflecting on your sort of personal and artistic development. Are there skills, techniques, perspectives that you want to cultivate over time? If you can understand sort of where you want to be, then you can understand the classes that are right for you. I had this conversation with a client this week about how if she wants to get better at the work she's making now, she has to stop taking classes in other areas and actually focus just on this one area of art, you know, and that's a hard idea, but she definitely as a goal wants to grow in this one area. So four, in what ways do I want to contribute to society at large? So this is a little bit different than the whole like, uh, with my artistic legacy, because it's more like, do you want to be a voice and who helps people understand about environmental damage? You know, there's a wonderful illustrator I follow online who does all sorts of pictographs to show statistics in a way that you can just visually understand what's happening, you know, and that's a contribution to society. Can you find a way in which maybe it's that you want to, uh, you know, bring a little bit of light and color? into people's lives. It can be that simple. You know, what do you want to do with your art? Do you want to make people think about their use of technology, about garbage, about who knows what aging? Um, finally, five, what themes or subjects do I want to explore in the future? So maybe you're not doing the work that you always wanted to. Do you want to get into sculpture? Are you interested in working more large scale? Are you interested in pursuing some, you haven't yet done some sort of big topic ideas, but you're interested in going there. And this can really guide your exploration and which way you're going, you know? Remember that all of these questions, their only aim is to help you articulate your long-term vision and goals as an artist. And by thinking about them, right, you can sort of clarify all of that, okay? So now you have, by now, you've taken all your answers to these 15 questions. You have synthesized them into a couple ideas. So now we, of course, get back to the Venn diagram where what you want to do is you want to think again about what is in the overlap. Motivation, values, aspirations, what's in the center? What's there for you in this? Okay? okay. Write it down write it down. Write a statement that encapsulates your artistic purpose. Okay. It may evolve. It, it may change. You can regularly revisit and revise your statement as you grow and change. And remember that there's no right or wrong answer. Okay. But the key to this is developing a clear understanding of your motivations, allowing your artistic journey to be more intentional and fulfilling. Now I'm going to tell you mine and I'm going to tell you how it changed some things for me in a major way. But mom, it looks like you want to say something. No, I'm just very curious what your diagram looks like. Oh, well, I'm so glad that you asked. So here's the answer. 
And it, it surprised me because it's the opposite of what my artist statement says right now. Ah. So in a single word, why I create connection. I'm interested in connecting with other people. I'm interested in connecting disparate elements. I'm interested in connecting techniques. I'm interested in connecting ideas. I'm interested in connecting with myself. And right now, I believe that my artist statement on my website says I'm interested in differences. Yeah. Right? And That's I was like, wow. Because the truth of the matter is I'm only interested in differences because I'm interested in how they connect. So I'm, yes, it's true. I am interested in like where the sort of lush green glass grass meets the, you know, pebbly hard sidewalk, but I'm only interested in those two different things because they come together. So I assume this is going to be the beginning of a process of you rewriting your artist statement ultimately. It is, but it also is interesting because I have some work on the wall right now where I was like, oh gosh, I'm interested in connections. So I'm not trying to push these things further apart. I'm trying to push them closer together or I'm trying to find the way in which they can connect or I'm trying to emphasize the way in which they can't connect. But I am interested in connections. And that also has started me thinking about social media. Because I was like, oh, I am not interested in entertaining people. I'm not interested in even teaching people. What I'm interested in is connecting with people. So how, what do I have to change about how I come across and what I say and what I do so that everything is an opportunity for a connection, uh -huh. you know, that's what's important. And sometimes it could be teaching people, sometimes it could be entertaining, but it is very much, I think that word connection is going to become very central because it, I literally, I kid you not, I wish I had a video camera on. I stood up in my studio and I was like, oh my God, it was like out of a movie talking out loud to myself like a crazy person. And I was like, I can't believe this. And it just blew my brain open and it has has felt so it was so frustrating when i couldn't figure it out and i thought it was possible that i would never figure it out and i was like this is stupid nobody can this is stupid because that's always my default when i don't can't do something this is stupid uh so anyway once i figured it out and i started to see all the ways in which it fit my values it fits my motivation it fits you know, uh, my aspirations, like I want connection. Even when I was just saying like my greatest aspiration is basically a connection aspiration. I want people to connect with my work and value it. You know what I mean? I want people, I just, it's connections. People, it's connections for me. And you may have a totally different, in fact, I hope you do. You may have a totally different reason for creating, but I hope it's as exciting for you. I hope it's as interesting for you. I hope it's as deeply motivating for you as it was for me to discover why I create. And now I really am going to put the word connection on everything so that I can just think about it, know it's there, make decisions based on it, feel it motivating me, and know that like, there are things I've been leery of or nervous about, but it's like, yes, I do need to get out to networking stuff because I want to make a connection. Yes, I should try to do collaborative projects because I want a connection. I want connection of all things. Anyway, mom, some Yoda thoughts? No, I think that's a wonderful insight and it's sort of startling to find out it's the opposite of what you were 
thinking you were. I mean, yeah. you're open to it. I'm waiting to see where it goes. Yeah, I'm excited. And I think that that's the thing about all artist statements, this included, which is you have to revisit all this stuff every six months to a year because you change and your life changes, you know? So we'll see. But I think for right now, this feels super spot on. All right, let's see her the second one. Right? Okay, so uh, that's my why. You guys should find your why. If you find your why, let me know. Uh, I do want to say a couple items of interest. The first is uh, monthly membership at ballsresigns.com. Membership offers a diverse array of classes, tutorials, blogs, and art inspiration. So I hope that you will check that out. It's really what keeps the lights on around here. So that's at ballsresigns.com. Um, upcoming, or actually not upcoming, we're in the middle of a class called a year-long class in 2024 called Practical Color for Painters. You know, if you want to study for chemistry, you have to know, understand, and be able to use the periodic table. If you want to study art, you have to know, understand, and be able to use a color wheel. And that's really just the beginning because we're moving beyond the color wheel and progressing to create your own personal palette of colors, really understanding how to use color in your artwork. So if you join me for a practical paint, uh, color for painters, you're going to end 2024 with a sophisticated understanding of how color works, how colors interact, and how to create the colors you want. And you can join that class anytime in 2024, again, at ballsresigns.com. So you can find me at juliebalzer.com or all over social media as Balzer Designs. Mom is impossible to find. She's dressed in camouflage and uh, doesn't lift her head up. I'm um, not looking for connection. There you go. You're not looking for connection. She's only looking for mutuality. Uh, uh, but I really hope you'll sign up for the weekly newsletter. That's the best way to make sure you keep up on the latest news. It's free. There's a big button on the homepage of juliebalzer.com where you can do that, or you can go to show page for the podcast to find the link. Again, it's a free newsletter. It comes every Friday to your inbox. If you'd like to help the show, you can leave a review, mention us on social media, tell a friend, because all those things help other people find the show. If you find your why, tag me, let me know, post about it, scream it from the rafters. Everybody should know why you create, what it is that keeps you going. So, Thanks so much for listening and subscribing. We'll see you the next time on the Adventures in Arting podcast. Bye.